Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the End in Mind podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin, the owner of Meraki Media Management. The End in Mind is a place where we come to share stories, tips, and strategies of many entrepreneurs, creatives, business owners, and just some people that aren't willing to live the traditional lifestyle. We talk about how to live outside of the box today and how to incorporate what really is important in your life to keep that end goal always in mind. Again, if you would like to reach out to me in any type of way, you can find me on Instagram at Meraki underscore media underscore management. And I hope to hear from you all soon. Thanks so much and enjoy our show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the End in Mind podcast. I have an amazing guest with me here today. I am so excited to meet you, Amy. It's an honor and I can't wait to just learn more from you and really get to know you on more of a personal level as well. So thank you for being here. Well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate talking to somebody younger, you know, somebody who probably grew up with chicken soup for the preteen soul and chicken soup for the teenage soul and I look forward to telling you what we have for you now that you're an adult. Yay. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. It's I was saying before we got on, but just for our listeners, you know, even just hearing chicken soup for the soul, it brings up this really great emotion for me, you know, from childhood and safety. Like it really is one of those books that were just staples throughout most of our lives. So can you tell us a little bit more about you and how you, you know, came up with this book idea? And of course, share with us what you have coming up as well. Well, sure. So I've been the publisher and editor-in-chief of Chicken Soup for the Soul for the past 15 years, and the company is actually 30 years old. So I am not the person who started it. It was started by Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen in 1993. It was a huge hit, a publishing industry phenomenon. They are motivational speakers and motivational authors. And so this was just one thing that they were doing. And so they decided 16 years ago that they were ready to hand off Chicken Soup for the Soul to the next team that would take it into like the modern age and really make the most of it because they had their own individual motivational speaking and writing careers to work on. So we took it over in 2008 and I became the publisher and editor in chief. 
So here's the interesting thing. I think I'm like the world's worst mother because I had never bought chicken soup for the preteen soul or teenage soul for my children. And then I found out I was supposed to. And I think my kids like knew about it because they saw it at school, but I never gave it to them. We didn't have any books in the house. And I then what happened was when we were looking at buying the company, I sat down and I read 100 of the old Chicken Soup for the Soul titles. And I had come at it with this attitude like, oh, it's just some kind of mass market thing, sweetness and light. You know, like, I'm not really going to like that because I come from a Wall Street background. I was a Wall Street analyst. I ran a hedge fund. I did investment banking. I was on the management team of a startup in the telecom industry that got very big. Then I was on the board of lots of publicly traded technology companies. So I had this very practical business-oriented background. So I sat down and I read a hundred of the old books. It took me three or four months to do that. Well, I had to start changing my contact lenses more often. At that time, I had the every two week lenses. It was before daily lenses. And I started having to change them every week because I was ruining them with salt from like little tears coming out. Sometimes they were tears of laughter. Sometimes they were tears because the stories were emotional And I became a total convert. And I said, oh my gosh, I know what to do with this line of books. So we bought the company in 2008. And the first thing I did was change the way the titles were formatted because it used to always be chicken soup for the something soul. So I changed it to chicken soup for the soul and then whatever title I wanted. And that opened up a whole new world for chicken soup for the soul because we were able to address any topic that I thought might be interesting. Wow. What a like micro shift that totally, you know, opened up the world for you all. That's great. Just one. Yeah. And we also changed the way the covers look. We changed the interiors. I swear the interiors were so rudimentary, so old fashioned looking. They looked like a kindergartner made them with MS-DOS. I mean, These were like pre-Windows interiors. (laughs) So I hired a graphic designer and we jazzed up the whole line. We made the interiors look really good. We completely redesigned the way that the template was for the covers. Then we redesigned the logo. And now the books look completely different than what you grew up with, which really was not the greatest design work, those books that you loved, but they had great content. So now we have great content and a much more modern look. And it's been fun because I've been able to pursue topics like positive thinking and forgiveness and gratitude and great stories about dogs and stories about cats and stories about dysfunctional families and just books filled with funny stories. And, And then for people who are into more spiritual stuff, we've done books about angels and miracles and messages from heaven. So we're able to do all these different fun topics. And along the way, my my little team that I work with and I have been completely changed because we've learned so much from reading all of these stories. It's mind-blowing how much we have improved as people and how much better able we are to deal 
with the ups and downs of life because of what we've learned. Wow, that's so beautiful. I I feel obviously with the show name, you know, the personal development side of being in business, but also just being a leader and being a part of a team, you know, we all have a really intricate part here, you know, and the more you can work on yourself and continue to show up and help your team, but also pour into your own soul. Like that's where I've found that I can unlock these other areas of myself. So you deal a lot with people who are starting off businesses or starting social media presences, but in some way they're entrepreneurial. And there's so much that you encounter anyway when you're trying to get started. And there's so many things you can't control that it's a really great idea to turn your attention to yourself because you can control yourself and how you react to things and whether you view things as glass half full or half empty. But I think what Chicken Soup for the Soul does for your audience and for anybody who's trying to make their way in the world is they give you, we give you the tools to control what you can control. Mm -hmm. And once you're in control of yourself, it's so much easier to navigate the ups and downs of what the outside world throws at you. And we can talk about that today if you want. Some of the really important tools that I've uncovered after reading tens of thousands of true stories that people have submitted to us. Yeah, I would love that. If you can like expand on that a little bit more. And I think you encompassed it perfectly. You know, when I got into entrepreneurship six years ago, I was 22. I had no clue who I was. I had no clue what an ego was, what spirituality was, you know, who even I was to begin with. So it was a lot of, you know, evolution for me to even find out like, oh, I have a decision here in this pattern that I'm all of a sudden like exchanging in, you know, and I can step back and like take a deep breath and decide how I react, you know? That's right. So, so I did a book a year ago um, around the time of our 29th anniversary and it was called Your 10 Keys to Happiness. And that was a really personal book for me because what I did was I pulled together 10 stories for each of the 10 keys to happiness. And these were the stories that I thought were the best examples of how to implement each of these 10 keys to happiness. And then I wrote a short essay at the beginning of each chapter explaining that key to happiness. And um, that to me is like the textbook that guides you through Chicken Soup for the Soul, your 10 keys to happiness. So the most important two keys to happiness. And I don't think that you can be successful in life if you haven't mastered these two. One is to use the power of gratitude and one is to use the power of forgiveness. The gratitude one, I think, is a little easier for people to say, oh yeah, I could do that. But you know, half of us are born with the sunnier attitude where we're more likely to say when something negative happens, oh, there's got to be a silver lining in there somewhere. And we're more likely to just see the bright side of things. And, and I fall into that category. And I have a guess that you probably do too. But half of us are not innately grateful. We don't immediately look for the bright side of things. So here's the cool thing. 
basically our personalities are fully baked. But when it comes to counting your blessings and using the power of gratitude, you can actually change your personality and it's super easy to do it. It's as simple as saying, I'm going to write down one thing or three things each night, good things that happen during the day. Like I have a friend who said that she was always negative and she was like this from childhood on. And then she became a parent and she said, this has got to end. And she had this little date book that just had like a little square for each day and just enough room to write down one thing. So each night before she went to bed, she wrote down one good thing that happened that day. And it could be something really simple, like she picked the right checkout lane at the grocery store. Or it could be something major, like my husband is totally awesome and he did the following thing today. And she had to put a different thing each day. So at the end of a month, she had written down 30 things and she had spent each day looking for that good thing she was going to write in her calendar. And a lot of people do this but they write down three things a day, which I think is even better because then at the end of a month, you've got 90 things you've written down, but it completely changes your attitude because you go through your whole day saying, oh, what are the good things that are happening to me that I'm going to write down? And so people who do this exercise for just one month turn themselves into people who are just inherently more upbeat. And you know, you do better in your personal relationships when you are a more upbeat person because nobody likes talking to somebody who's a downer. Like everybody likes talking to somebody who, even if they're relating a story about something bad happening to them, immediately adds into that story. But the good thing was I met so-and-so or I discovered an inner strength in myself I didn't know that I had or whatever the, the silver lining thing is. We all respond better to people who have that characteristic to them. So that's my number one key to happiness. Love so that. yeah. So number two is forgiveness. So this is a little harder for people because we all kind of cling to resentments and disappointments and things that have hurt us and we're still mad and we can talk about it five years later. So even though I'm a word person, I didn't understand what the actual definition of forgiveness was. So I thought forgiveness meant that you were saying to somebody, don't worry about it. It wasn't so bad. It's okay. But it turns out that forgiveness actually means, and I even saw this definition on the Mayo Clinic's website, forgiveness means that you have decided to know that that thing happened. So you intellectually know that it happened, but you've decided not to relive those negative emotions. So forgiveness is cool because you don't even have to tell the other person, the person you're forgiving. They could be dead, alive or dead. It doesn't matter. You, This all happens inside your own head. So the cool thing is that it's instant and it's life-changing. So we had a story that I love that I included in your, your uh, 10 Keys to Happiness from this woman who had been through a divorce and she was stuck. Like years later, she was still telling people about how her ex-husband wronged her. And finally, her best friend said to her, you are carrying him around in your head. You might as well still be married to the guy. And it was such an eye-opener for her 
she realized that she was never going to move forward in her life if she kept talking about this guy and she was letting him occupy space in her head and he wasn't entitled to that space. So anyway, if you can use the power of forgiveness to let yourself move forward and stop feeling those negative emotions, it's incredibly liberating. Wow. I never heard forgiveness explained in that way before, but I can't even tell you how much I needed that message, like that in itself. Because I think when we think about forgiveness in my perspective, I've always seen it as how you said, like telling the other person, oh, I'm I'm forgiving you now. I'm moving on. And it's kind of like, okay, we're moving on together. But what you described is a whole different approach where how you said it's almost like in your brain okay, I've forgiven this. And now it's, it's go over, it's gone, we can move forward. And in my experience, you know, a lot of um, negative things that have happened to me over the years, like I'll replay them. It's kind of like you have that real, you know, like in your head, it's like a camera, like those old cameras where you can see it projected up onto the screen. And I almost always know that I'm heading down that route when I can start to see and hear and feel the emotion bubbling up. But I just realized that that's because I never practiced the full forgiveness around it. So you can play that real, but not feel those emotions over again. The real can be going on the wall and you're like, oh yeah, that happened. But you don't have to feel it again. And there's a little tweak that you can make. And this is going to sound like acting all superior, but you know, Usually the person who does the bad thing to you, they got their own issues, right? They didn't really do it to you. They could have done it to anybody. It's not really about you. It's more about their own problems. So if you reposition it that way also, and you say to yourself, I'm sure glad I'm not that person, you really can separate yourself from that person's actions. I mean, I remember one time I was in my early 30s And I had helped take a company public and I was at this brokerage firm. I wasn't working for them. I was like a consultant to them. And this stock that I had helped them take public went down. But I mean, I wasn't the one who decided it was going to go public. They did. I just went to help them, you know, go through the process of taking this company public because I was an expert on that particular aspect of the telecommunications industry. So I remember I was standing in this conference room with like 30 men, um, traders, and the head trader was screaming at me. Mm. Well, I I stood there. I'm this little blonde lady from the suburbs with two little kids. And this guy is screaming at me for 20 minutes nonstop. And I just stood there thinking, you are a horrible, angry little man. You have so many problems of your own. I'm not even letting you touch me. I mean, it was like I had a shield in front of me and his words were bouncing off the shield. But I basically immediately said, this isn't touching me. Um, And that's not me forgiving him and saying, little man, that, you know, it's okay what you did. It was that other definition of forgiveness, which is not letting yourself feel those negative emotions. So it was like he was sending arrows at me and they were bouncing off my invisible shield and falling to the ground. 
you know, um, the funny thing was years later, I was, I had left um, a job that I had had a very high profile job and somebody came to me and said, would you like to be the vice chairman of this brokerage firm? It was the brokerage firm that this guy was at. And I actually almost said yes, because I thought, oh, I could go fire him. And then I thought, nah, I don't really want to do that job, but he's not worth the effort. But I could have had that revenge serve cult thing that you hear about, but I didn't do it because I had actually used the power of forgiveness and I was you know, totally over it. And I didn't really need to have anything to do with this guy. But anyway, I think when you're starting out and you're trying all these new things, you got enough problems with friends and family hurting you. And then stuff is going to happen in business too. You really need to not let any of it touch you because boy, is that a lot of emotional weight to carry around. Oh yeah. I see it all the time with my clients too. You know, my one-on-one clients, it's that emotional burden. Um, and I think it's because we're giving our power away. Like how you explained, you have this shield up, you know, you didn't start to intertwine your identity and conflict with what he was saying with like, you know, a lot of the times in my own experience that will be, is that me? You know, did I do this bad thing? Oh my gosh. Now he thinks I'm bad. So I must be bad, you know, is the narrative of how it eventually gets to this point, you know, where we are at the problem of it. Um, And especially our highly sensitive listeners. I'm a highly sensitive person as well. We can get our energy kind of like tied up in this ball, you know, and what you described with the forgiveness that you were able to practice is you actually change the trajectory of your career decisions as well, because you're no longer letting his energy impact your decision making, which I think is what I see a lot in business with um, my clients that maybe still, you know, a year or two in. It's it takes time to create that separation. But the more that you can do that and own who you are and really stand with that shield, I mean, you you described it perfectly. Now you're here chatting with us, maybe all because of that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. So, so those are my two keys to happiness. And I think things that you really, you have to harness the power of gratitude and the harness and harness the power of forgiveness to be successful in your work life or your personal life. Then there's a bunch more keys to happiness and the rest of them, I think are optional, but the more of them you incorporate into your life, the better. And I think that one of the ones that I use every single week, like several days, every single week. And this is something that became super obvious during COVID is the power of getting outside in nature. It's so important for gaining perspective. And I think a lot of, a lot of my advice really has to do with understanding your place in the world and not being too self-important. And when you get out in nature and you see the birds running around doing what they need to do and the chipmunks and the squirrels and the insects and the flowers being pollinated by the bees and the butterflies who used to be worms and and the the breeze is coming through. And then you're looking at the trees that are older than you are and are gonna be around when you're dead and they're still gonna be there, these wise old trees. You just get this sense that 
whatever is going on in your life is not that important. You're just one tiny little living creature, you know, and, and in this world of millions of living creatures just in your own neighborhood. And I think getting outside in nature, whether you're sitting on your porch, you know, looking at trees or whether you're out taking a vigorous walk or a run, it's really good for you. And I, I think that taking that time each day to get outside in nature is going to make anybody more successful. And you can always use the time to make business calls while you're out or to listen to an audio book or a podcast. You know, you can use the time to multitask. That's fine. Okay. Yeah. That's great to hear as well. It's like it, you can do both at the same time. And so oh, yeah, feel somebody like told me about meditation. I'm like, well, can I meditate while I'm swimming? He said, no. I said, can I meditate while I'm walking or riding a bike? No. I said, I can't do that. I have to be doing at least two things at once. I'm not just going to sit there and think. No way. So, you know, for me, that wasn't going to work. But I think my my walks out in nature, that's my meditation. You know, but yeah. I'm also still listening to an audiobook or or a podcast at the same time. Yeah. And like, you know, a lot of my clients too, they're um, spiritual therapists and they'll say the same thing. They're like, listen, you don't have to sit and meditate, you know, like on your couch for hours. She even calls cooking a meditation, uh, which I love that as well. Like if you enjoy cooking, it can really be anything that you enjoy. Like I love being outside. I actually just said this to my boyfriend this week. I'm like, I spend so much in time inside behind my computer working. When people ask me what I like to do for fun, I'll say like going outside and I'm like, but I never do it (laughs) during the week. So I need to incorporate it more. It's like, why are we here? You know, how are we spending our time? And I think that that's one of the greatest things about chicken soup for the soul is it really brings you back to the reason and whatever book you may be, you know, reading, it kind of brings you back to like yourself. It really is that comfort of like coming home. Well, another thing we talk about a lot, and I have it in my 10 keys to happiness book, and we actually have a whole book just on the topic is making me time. And me time is so important. And we're all so busy. And we, we have these to do lists. And what we don't put on the list, you know, Front and center is take 30 minutes or 60 minutes a day to do something of your, you know, for yourself. Now that could be the getting outside of nature, you know, but whatever it is, like for me, for decades now, I have read, I I preserved the time between 10 p.m. and 11 p.m. to read. And I usually fall asleep and I don't finish the hour, but my reading time has to start at 10 p.m. And I was even that way when I had little kids. That time was my sacred time when I got to read. And now I don't have little kids, but I have all these books I have to edit and write. So my my reading time is when I'm reading something that I don't have to work on. It's something that somebody else wrote, you know. So making me time is super important. And if you can't do it every day, then say you're going to carve out three hours every Saturday. But you got to have that me time. Because otherwise you just lose yourself and you feel kind of helpless, like you're being, I don't know, on a hamster wheel or thrown around in a dryer or something, but you've got to have that me time. And then another topic that I think is really important, and I actually just put out my third book on this topic, is getting outside your comfort zone 
So, you know, even when you're starting your own business and yeah, yeah, that, that could be like getting outside your comfort zone. There's probably still plenty of ways that you cling to your comfort zone. Do you find that in your life, Caitlin? Absolutely. You know, it's almost easier to run away because you're the boss, you know? So you think that you're going outside your comfort zone, maybe when you get the LLC and then, you know, those beliefs can keep you from even taking action, you know? I think the more you step outside your comfort zone, the more empowered you feel and energized and excited. And so it could be something really minor, like you download a new app and you get to know a new app or a new kind of social media. Like you've never done Snapchat, so go and try Snapchat. Or it could be something like you try a new food, one you were sure you were going to hate. Or you go to the grocery store, but you don't go to your normal grocery store. You go to a grocery store you've never been to where you don't know where anything is and you force yourself to do that. Or it could be something major, like you go paragliding. I mean, I did that and it got me very energized to try lots of new things. You know, once I went paragliding off a thousand foot cliff over the Persian Gulf, then I went on every scary ride at Universal, you know, but you just learn, oh, I did that, then I can do these things. And then the more of them you do, the more adventurous you become. So my husband and I are always pushing ourselves to step outside our comfort zones and try new things. And it, it makes you feel like you're really part of the world and instead of accidentally letting your world become narrower and narrower. And I've seen people in their 20s make their worlds narrower. You know, that can start at any age. So you've got to fight against that and keep trying new things no matter what your age is. That is such great advice, you know, like never stop thinking about things that you want to do too. I think us as entrepreneurs, it becomes, you know, that locked in on one goal, the zone, kind of the tunnel vision that you described and narrowing our worlds happens naturally. So that's great advice. You know, even at 27, like I can see myself like zoning in, you know, covering up all, putting on the blinders and only focusing on one thing, whether it be my business, maybe even my relationship. Um, And it always tends to happen like out of a spiral that you explained earlier, you know, with without practicing full-blown forgiveness or maybe even protecting myself with that forgiveness boundary for the other person, you know, um, and putting up that shield because that's what will cause me to go into a narrow world. It's like, oh, it would be easier if I didn't have to experience that or if that thing didn't happen again. Um, But when you can forgive, then you can fully move on. You can move back into the gratitude and you can continue to expand your world here at the end of mind we're all about the untraditional lifestyle so it's the next thing that we can find that would fulfill our lives that might not be you know what society thought that it would be for us so here's another thing that I wish I had known in my 20s and I didn't learn until I was 50 and and this falls into the category of having less stuff and kind of focusing on what's important. So, okay, first, yes, you should have less stuff. No matter how old you are, you're accumulating too much stuff. Keep getting rid of it. Give it away to charities, your local church, your local, you know, thrift store, but 
Don't hold on to someone else's blessing. But within the whole concept of having less stuff is also having less stuff on your calendar and possibly having fewer people in your life because what we tend to do is keep people in our lives who aren't really adding value anymore. And we're really busy and we only have time to spend. We only have so much time to spend with friends, family, you you're stuck with, right? So you're going to spend time with family. You're going to go to those family events and you're going to make nice with everybody. Although if there's somebody who isn't nice to you, you can kind of put up your shield, you know, and not let them hurt you. Just deal with them matter of factly, but without letting it get emotional. But then in the friend world, you actually are allowed to regularly kind of weed the garden of your life. And so if you have found yourself saying, oh, I have this friend, I have to go see her, but she's always so negative. Wait, why do you have to see her? You actually don't have to. Now, you don't have to be cruel and just totally dump her, but you could reduce your exposure, you know, to once a year, twice a year. But it is your right to remove toxic people from your life and only keep in your life people who really make you happy and add value because you're too busy to spend your small amount of free time with the wrong people. So that's another lesson that I didn't learn until I was 50 and I wish I had learned it, you know, decades earlier. Yeah, that's great advice. And like, how do you, cause I think sometimes with us highly sensitives, you know, it can be, it can go right into like, oh my gosh, this person's so toxic, you know, <laughs> they're making me feel so icky and like their energy, it's kind of like stuck to you. Like the best way I can describe it is kind of like a leech, you know, and it's like sucking all the life out of you. So what do you, how do you help like, or how would you explain maybe some of those people that you found in your life that just maybe aren't adding value anymore? Some of them you probably picked up along the way because you were being nice. Yeah. You know, they're the ones who just want to talk about their problems all the time. And if they're in therapy, they're going to be in therapy for like 25 years because they actually don't want to get better. Right. Yeah. So so you pick them up. You didn't realize when you picked them up that they were always going to be this way. And now you just have to extricate yourself. And so you don't want to be cruel, but you just have to reduce your exposure and you have to be busy, right? Or maybe you invite them, you're having a party at your house. So you invite them when you have 20 other people there and now you checked off the box, but you didn't have to have lunch alone with that person. Um you just have to do it though, because otherwise you're you're going to be stuck with them for many extra years. You really are entitled to prune and maybe they'd be a great best friend for somebody else and you're freeing them to go and be with somebody they'd be more compatible with. Yeah. I love that analogy too. It's like, who are we, you know, to think that 
like this relationship is benefiting them anymore too. You know, I always say to my clients, like if you're feeling some type of way, even if you're sick or whatever, you have free schedule, like it's highly likely that whoever you're rescheduling with may also be experiencing some of that emotion. So it's like, you know, who are we to say how they're feeling about us either? Maybe it's just time for some space, you know, what could it hurt giving yourself some time? So great advice. Thank you so much, Amy. I'm so grateful to meet you. And I love all of the lessons that you gave us today. And I'm thinking, you know, for editing purposes, we'll call this the keys of happiness, if you're comfortable with that. Absolutely. Some people have called me their happiness coach. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, welcome. (laughs) You know, we all could use some of that over here at the end in mind, for sure. So it's been an honor. Thank you so much. And how can, what can we expect from you? You know, obviously you've shared with us a lot of what you've already done with Chicken Soup for the Soul, but is there anything else that you'd like to share with us or how we can get in touch with you? You can reach me at amy at chickensoupforthesoul.com. And our website is chickensoup.com. You can see all the books that we have and there's every possible topic. So whatever topic you're interested in, they're there. And I think the most important thing is that people should realize, hey, we're still there for you now that you're an adult. We're not, you know, like all that good stuff that people read when they were preteens and teenagers, it's all there now for them as adults. Wow. That's so awesome. I can't wait to pick up my copy. So thank you so much. I think I might start with the personal development side of things that you mentioned at the beginning, or you said the positive thinking. That will be really interesting. And especially because it's all story derivative as well for the listeners. If you're not familiar, you can really hear the actual evolution within the stories of the people that are everyday people, just like us, you know, experiencing the same things we do. It is the best way to learn. Instead of reading some dry self-help essay, you're reading a story written by somebody about what their situation was, and then here's the thing that worked for them. And you ingest that much better. And we have 101 stories in each book, and there's bound to be you know, at least 10 that just strike right at the heart of what you say that you could do. And so I know that I personally have been very much improved by having read all of these stories. And I've learned so much about how to conduct my life in a much happier and more productive way. Yeah, that's so great to hear. And for any of our listeners that are also team leaders, you know, as Amy explained at the top of the episode, this has impacted her entire team and how they think and how they approach life. And it's elevated their business as well and how they approach people. Um, your team's been so lucky, lucky, amazing to communicate with me. You know, I feel lucky to communicate with them. So um, it's been great. And yeah, I'm just so grateful. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The End in Mind. I would like to remind you all, if you haven't yet reached out to me on Instagram, we are at Meraki underscore media underscore management. It will be in our show notes as well. If you would like to reach out to me, we always offer free coaching through Instagram based around our Instagram training and our business Instagram practices. If you need any type of support, please do not hesitate to reach out to me there. And we also offer 
are def several different types of consulting and training packages if you're looking for a little bit more in-depth tips. So thank you all for listening in. And of course, I want you all to keep the end in mind as you continue with your day and or work week. Have a great week and I will see you all next time.